Hello and welcome to the Self-Improvement Book Club with Rachel. Today's book is Self-Compassion by Kristen Neff. I often draw on self-compassion in my work as a therapist, so I love Kristen Neff's work and wanted to review this book I read a while back. So a couple points that we'll learn is why self-criticism is so self-defeating why self-compassion is a more effective route to self-improvement, and why the heck does comforting ourselves make us so uncomfortable? So it's pretty common these days to look at other people and say, gosh, they're so selfish. So many people are so self-absorbed, self-serving. But what you don't see is how these people talk to themselves. They can be extremely hard on themselves. Just think about yourself. How do you talk to yourself? Are you angry when you make a mistake? Do you talk harshly to yourself? How can you be so dumb? How can you make that mistakes? Or do you hold yourself to some impossibly high standard? And then when you don't meet those expectations or fall a little short of them, you start to beat yourself up. We can be incredibly harsh on ourselves in our daily lives, and we don't realize that our tendency to be self-critical and feel inadequate often stems from our childhood. And no, I don't want you to blame all your problems on your parents because I'm sure they were great people, but if you take a look at your childhood objectively and say, were my parents critical of me? Did they call me stupid? Or did they correct me all the time, the way I ate my food, the way I dressed, if I got good grades or not in school, the way I studied? Without you even realizing it, these judgmental words and voices have been part of your mind's internal commentary. If you, say, drop a glass of water, you may call yourself an idiot and criticize yourself for clumsiness. The end result, a deeply integrated habit of self-criticism and a sense of inadequacy that can come well into adulthood. And just to bring it into a real life example, as I'm recording this podcast, I'm thinking, am I doing good enough? Are people understanding what I'm saying? Is this just total crap? So as I'm recording this, I'm noticing those critical thoughts And honestly, I don't think they're very helpful. So I'm going to try to be more compassionate with myself and make a mistake or two during this podcast and be okay with it. And that is going against societal pressure that encourages us to actually be self-critical and feel inadequate. Yes, society is telling us to beat ourselves up. So you can't blame it again all on mom or dad or a parent figure because... It's not just our parents who lead us to develop these habits of being self-critical. It can also be siblings, uncles, coaches, teachers, or anyone else who's out there in society. The media, they can help us to feel not so great about ourselves. And this also promotes a sense of being competitive with others or viewing other people as our rivals. So we become obsessed with beating them in this game called life. Because, hey, we have to make sure that we measure up and that our self-worth is intact 
after we see these celebrities or see all this attractiveness around us or in social media, we see other people and how they live and we think, hey, we got to keep up with them or simply do better than them. Because we must have that car, we must have that job, we must have that perfect relationship when the truth is perfection is always outside of our reach. Therefore, when you're always comparing yourselves to other people, you're never going to win. If you are looking at yourself and saying, I want to be the best version of me, I want to live my life according to my own values, what I care about, and stop putting stock into what other people care about. Oh, that is a recipe for a beautiful, fulfilling life. And I want that for you. I want that for all of you. Now, a lot of people don't want to change their inner critic because they feel like self-criticism motivates them and gets them to the, the place they want to be. So if I beat myself up a lot, then I'll work harder, I'll keep striving. And that is simply untrue. If you believe in self-improvement, you might feel skeptical that self-compassion could help. Because although it is true that self-criticism can motivate us to a limiting extent, it comes with serious cost. And those costs include making us anxious. And when you're beating yourself up all the time, let's say you're late to an appointment and you say to yourself, I can never do anything right. Then next time you have to get to an appointment on time, you may be so anxious of being late that you start to fumble other things in your life and it becomes a self-fulfilling prophecy. Along with anxiety, you also can get procrastination when you're trying to be perfect. Because if you need to get something perfect, you often don't want to start whatever it is you're trying to do because you're afraid of making mistakes. Therefore, you keep putting things off for longer and longer and they never get done because unfortunately, we cannot avoid all mistakes. They just happen and we have to self-correct from there and learn from it and keep going. So the bottom line is the benefits of self-criticism, which is that we think it moves us forward and propels us to do things, doesn't outweigh the cost. And the costs are great. Because harsh self-criticism amounts to self-abuse, which can have serious long-term consequences. Imagine you and your best friend are walking down an icy street when, all of a sudden, she slips and falls to the ground. How would you respond to that? Would you sit there and yell at her? You fell? How could you fall? Were you not looking? Are you a total idiot? And if you did say any of this, it would be very unkind, unwarranted, and unhelpful to respond to someone who just had a misfortune. Yet, we say these things to ourselves routinely, and it's not helpful, and it causes us much suffering. So one big tip in this book is talk to yourself you would a good friend. If you wouldn't say what you're saying to yourself, to your good friend that was going through the same thing as you, then start to talk like you would to someone you care about because you should try to care about yourself, which is always easier said than done. 
So don't beat yourself up if you don't get it right the first couple times you try it. I think we all naturally have our first thoughts or critical words that come out of us. And we can say, hey, there's our critical voice. Thank you for trying to be helpful because it might have a good intent to try to push you forward or get you to do better in your life, but you logically know it's not helpful. So you can thank that critical voice and then say, I'm going to treat myself differently now. And then you can move to a more self-compassionate voice. Because the self-compassionate voice provides us with a kinder, healthier, and more helpful approach to how we treat ourselves. And practicing self-kindness means overcoming the notion that we should be callous towards ourselves and our pain. When we are in pain or we're suffering, being comforting with ourselves can greatly reduce the suffering that we're going through. And you can do this with your own self-talk or explore self-compassion through writing. You can pick up your journal and ask yourself, which imperfections make me feel inadequate? So the thought behind this is everyone has something about themselves they don't like that causes them to feel shame, not good enough, or just plain insecure. So it's the human condition to be imperfect, unfortunately. None of us are perfect. And we have fears of failure and we feel inadequate in some parts of our lives. So trying to write about the issues you have that tend to make you feel bad about yourself, maybe it's your appearance, something in your relationships or at work, and then start to journal about the emotions that come up for you when you think about this aspect of yourselves. Just try to feel your emotions exactly as they are. Don't judge yourself. You don't want to inflate them or say they're not worth writing about. Just be mindful and write about how you're feeling. And then you can write a letter to yourself from the perspective of an unconditionally loving imaginary friend. Think about that imaginary friend who loves and accepts you, is very compassionate. Imagine that this friend can see all your strengths and all your weaknesses. Reflect in your writing upon what this friend feels towards you and how you are loved and accepted exactly as you are, all your imperfections and everything. This friend recognizes the limits of human nature, and they're kind and forgiving towards you. They have great wisdom and they understand that a million things have happened to you to create who you are in this moment. And your particular inadequacies are connected to so many things you didn't necessarily choose, your genes, family history, life circumstances, and their understanding of all this and they see that that is outside of your control. So from this perspective, ask these journal questions. What would this friend write in order to remind you that you're only human and that all people have both strengths and weaknesses? And if you think this friend would suggest possible changes you should make, how would they convey that to you with compassion and understanding? After you write this letter, put it down for a while, come back and read it, and let the words really sink in. Let the compassion 
pour into you, soothe you, and comfort you. This is a great way to start practicing self-compassion down on paper before you get it into your brain. And none of this is easy, but it's definitely worth the hard work. Mindfulness also helps us create some healthy space between ourselves and our suffering. By holding a negative emotion in mindful awareness, you're preventing yourself from completely absorbing it. So in a mindful state, if you notice a negative emotion, take a step back and say, ah, this is what I'm experiencing right now. It's just a passing feeling and not my entire reality. Sometimes negative emotions scare us and then we put more emotions on top of it. Like I'm having anxiety that I'm feeling sad. Instead of just being with the original feeling and noticing it, labeling it, and starting to process it so we can let it go. By practicing mindfulness, you can regain your perspective and think about the situation more clearly. Hopefully your thoughts won't start snowballing on top of each other, like saying things like, ah, everything is just so stressful right now. And the mindfulness will put you in a better place and a better position to get into problem-solving mode if you need to. Another big part of Kristen's work is recognize that our shared humanity with other people is essential for self-compassion. One thing is true. If you're human, you suffer. We all suffer. So remembering that you're not the only one going through a hard time, that our shared humanity is that we hurt, we suffer, we have pain, and to wish others well or to understand that others suffer with us can actually help us feel more connected. Because if you feel like you're the only person in the world that has a problem or that suffers, we feel really alone. When we're suffering over something, it can be easy to get so fixated on our misfortune that it becomes the only thing we can see in our mind's eye. But if we remind ourselves that we are in this together in a shared humanity with others, then it can really be the antidote to our perfectionism that leads us to being so self-critical and feeling so inadequate in the first place. So I'm just here to let everyone know that I definitely suffer. I suffer sometimes. I have emotions. I feel inadequate. And all of this I can 100% relate to. So how do we get out of this trap? The secret is start practicing self-compassion and getting out of the habits of self-criticism. Label them when you see them. Again, if you notice you're being self-critical, label it and start moving into self-compassion. And some of those self-compassionate phrases could be, this is really hard for me right now. This is the point of suffering. I am feeling X, Y, Z, whatever the feeling is. Another statement could be, I accept the best and worst aspects of who I am. Or, my mistakes just show me how I've grown and I am learning. It's okay to make mistakes and forgive myself. Or you could say something like, I am free to let go of others' judgments. So in summary, 
by practicing self-compassion, we can start to accept ourselves for who we are, the good parts, the not so good parts, all of us. And that doesn't necessarily mean to be complacent about our weaknesses. It simply means that we view them in a more compassionate way so that we can encompass our strengths within those weaknesses. To help yourself adopt this viewpoint, try to write out at least five ways in which you're above average, five ways you're just average, and five ways you're below average. Then take a step back from your list and look at it from more of a holistic view and ask yourself, can I accept these aspects of myself? Can I celebrate the fact that I'm human and therefore encompass a wide range of traits, positive, negative, and neutral alike? And then really embrace yourself and start living your life, weaknesses, strengths, neutral characteristics and all. I hope you guys have a wonderful week. Keep reading, keep being the best version of yourself, and keep being you. Have a good one.